Danielle Folk. I'm a wife, mother, sister, daughter, as well as a steward to a 186-year-old farmhouse. I've returned with my family to the country and have found value in the stories of the lives that came before us in this old house. And because of their story and the experiences out here in the middle, I now have a better sense of the value in a life that seeks a meaningful story and who is willing to be shaped by it. Want to become rooted in living your best life? Well, hop in the car, lace up those shoes, start that load of laundry, do whatever it is you need to do, and get ready for a quick trip into the country where I'll share stories of homesteading life and restoration. Together, we'll dig into topics that will lead you to reflect, rethink, and become more rooted in who you are today. Well, hey there, friends. It is so good to be back with you today on the virtual front porch of our 1837 home, built by hand, brick by brick. And I tell you what, I've said this before, but ever since moving out here to the middle, I have found that the restoration we had planned for this home was part of the plan, but not all of the plan. And there was much more to it. This house has just been so restorative for myself, for our family, and it's an absolute gift. And so it's my hope that here on the front porch, I can share with you things that I have learned from the homestead and things that have kind of just um, came about and have helped me see the world differently, myself differently. And I hope it's helpful to you today. So I have something fun that I want to share with you. I got into the mailbox last night and wouldn't you know, I had snail mail. We're not talking the junk mail that shows up real mail that was addressed to to our family, handwritten, like so good. It's my favorite kind of mail. And I want to share it with you. The mail came from the steward of our homestead in uh, the 1970s. His name's Nat and his beautiful wife, Betsy, they lived here. He was a college professor up in town and uh, their daughters lived here as well and their son. And it is so cool because five years ago, in spring, it was May of 2018, they came from Maine to visit the homestead. And it was the neatest thing ever to welcome them back home and to share, you know, this common this common thing, home with them is awesome. And just a couple summers ago, Aaron and I, my husband went to New Hampshire. And then we traveled up the coast to Maine and got to visit Nat and Betsy and their family up in Maine. And so it's just this, it was a surprise of a gift. Never expected this to, um, to ever come to be, but it's awesome. And so I have this newspaper article from the New York Times, and it was published on May 20th. And he cut it out and sent it my way. And it's part of the Metropolitan Diary. And so here is an excerpt from you, uh, or for you, I should say. It's titled, Some House, Dear Diary, my hair is more silver than dark brown now, and I no longer call myself middle-aged, but I do try to keep fit and active, and I don't feel that the years show too heavily on me. One day, I was leaving my home, a federal-style brick row house near downtown Brooklyn, when I encountered a woman standing on the sidewalk and looking at the house. This is a lovely house, she said. I always notice it when I pass by. 
We talked for a moment about the house and its history. It's nearly 200 years old, I explained. Wow, the woman replied. Are you the original owner? And this was from Laura McCollum. I'm actually waiting. I think I might have found the author of this short story on Instagram. I have a way of doing that. I just figure that it's probably easy these days to find people. Um, and so I'm waiting to hear back uh, if she is, in fact, the author of that short story. But isn't that the truth? It's so funny. My daughter, it made me laugh because my daughter had asked when I was born, and this was a few years ago, and she was like, oh, 1885? And I was like, no, I'm not from 1885. So it kind of made me giggle because, you know, sometimes we just say silly things. And that's certainly um, the story that Nat sent. How good is that? Are you the original owner? The house is nearly 200 years old. Wouldn't we love to live that long? So um, anyways, I'll have to follow up with you. Um, but her name is Laura McCollum. And what a great story. And so I thank Nat for sending that um, to me and just brightening my day with that snail mail that I absolutely love. Well, friends, I'm going to jump into this. I kind of was thinking the other day that it's summertime and with doing this series and it being eight weeks, we're into the third episode now that with it being summertime, I probably need to make these a little more brief just because we are so on the go. And I know sometimes our routines can change a little bit and that we have a little less time than sometimes more. And so I want to jump into kind of the meat and potatoes of what this series is um, all about. And to remind you, this series is called Unapologetically You, Embracing Authenticity and Showing Up in the World. And when I say showing up in the world, World, I mean, showing up as you right now here in this moment, in the middle of, of wherever you are. And that's something that the homestead has showed me that I'm not who I am. I don't have to be who I once was. I get to be who I am now. And it's a beautiful thing to have life experience that I can draw on and be who I want to be now and not necessarily who we used to be. So I want to talk today about stories of confidence and self-acceptance, and I'm going to just share with you a few short, um, few short, um, brief paragraphs on, I'm going to share with you here just a few people who have really taken their circumstances and turned it into, um, into something in their lives. And it wasn't easy. And it has given them confidence to do things um, outside the norm. But then I want to share a little bit of science with you and then kind of give you a few things to work towards um, over the next week. So the first person that came to mind when I thought of confidence and someone who has really embraced self-acceptance right off the bat for some reason was Oprah Winfrey. And I don't know if her name came to mind because I grew up with my mom watching Oprah. Um, I still remember that television show that aired. There was something about her I found interesting. I loved the people who she had on. And I remember I just was always left with this feeling of awe, this feeling of, wow, um, you know, to find out answers from those she was interviewing. She just seemed relatable. And 
you know, it comes down to her being authentic. And still today, she's a household name because she is Oprah Winfrey. She was never trying to be anything that she wasn't. And and her story is really amazing because not only is she this media mogul, um, but she's a, ph- a philanthropist who has just inspired millions with her story of confidence and self-acceptance. And her challenges throughout her life, though, included poverty, childhood trauma, and those are things that could have, and I'm sure at some point, you know, changed her direction. And maybe um, those are things that have always, I'm sure, had to be worked on throughout her life. But she didn't let it ultimately determine who she became. And so it is amazing, you know, through her talk show, how she encouraged viewers to embrace their authentic selves and to pursue their dreams. And it it is something that I think we hear and see more of nowadays. Uh, you know, I think of Magnolia. Uh, they talk a lot about being authentic and being you. Um, but Oprah was really kind of that trailblazer uh, in this movement. And she still is today. And I think she is someone who we can kind of think about and reflect on um, when you have a moment of questioning yourself or being comfortable or confident um, in, in who you are. Someone else that is really interesting, and, and I'm going to do my best with the name, Mala Yosaf Say. Malala, sorry, Malala Yousafzai. She is a Pakistani activist, if you're not familiar, and she is a person who dedicated her life to promoting education for girls. And at the age of 15, she survived an assassination attempt by the Taliban due to her advocacy work. Now, despite her traumatic experience, she remained steadfast in her mission, and she continued to raise her voice for girls' education. And Malala's unwavering confidence in her conviction and her refusal to be silenced has made her an international symbol of empowerment and self-acceptance. And, you know, I can't help but think someone who has put themselves in literally the line of fire for something that they are so passionate about, they know their purpose. They know who they are. And and I'm sure maybe it wasn't um, easy or maybe it was something that had to be discovered at some point in their life. But to have such a purpose and to be that advocate for something as, as I think somewhere where I find myself after having left teaching, I have been wondering over the past six years, what is it I'm supposed to be doing? What is my purpose? What is my next step? Um, and, and so reading about her kind of makes me want to dig in. And I hope that it kind of makes you want to dig in as well. If you're not quite sure, like, you know, that you're doing, you know, what you're supposed to be doing, but you think there might be a little bit more something more focused that you could do as volunteer work or something to, to get into, to do for yourself, whether it's a hobby, um, not always necessarily a career change. Like I kind of dumped mine. Um, but sometimes you've got to make those big changes to get to where you're going. 
but you gotta, you gotta follow your gut and follow, um, follow, you know, your heart and know where you're supposed to be going. And she, uh, Malala just seems to have been, or, you know, she's somebody who really has, has found her why in life. And then one more person, Nelson Mandela, if you're, um, I'm sure you're familiar with the name, but president, former president of South America. And, um, he demonstrate demonstrated immense confidence and self acceptance throughout his life, despite being in prison for 27 years for his activism. And he kind of emerged as this beacon of forgiveness and reconciliation. And he embraced his idea, um, identity as a leader and dedicated his life to fighting injustice and promoting equality. And I don't know about you, but being in prison for 27 years, I, that's another level, you know, it kind of puts it into perspective when we think of our own hurdles that we experience. And, you know, it's different for everybody, what we all, uh, what it takes to reach us. Um, but you know, we're kind of like the clay that needs to be molded and shaped and formed by the potter. And sometimes there's gotta be, you know, these really big experiences like jail being in prison for 27 years. Um, that's a lot of molding. But in the end, you know, the work that we have to do and to share with those that are around us, sometimes that's what it takes, right? Um, For us to find our why, for us to find that purpose. And so uh, I want to share with you some studies that have explored the link between self-acceptance and increased levels of confidence. So a few examples for you here. There was a study published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, and it found that individuals who displayed higher levels of self-acceptance reported greater overall self-esteem and confidence. And the researchers found that self-acceptance was associated with positive self-evaluations and a greater sense of well-being. And another study published in the Journal of Counseling Psychology examined the relationship between self-acceptance and confidence, specifically in the context of body image. And researchers discovered that individuals who accepted their bodies as they were, regardless of societal standards and perceived flaws, which I think we can all relate to everything that we have seen, heard, or, you know, we feel pressure to be, um, they say that they exhibited higher levels of body confidence and overall self-confidence. So individuals who accepted their bodies as they were, regardless of social standards or perceived flaws, they exhibited higher levels of body confidence and overall self-confidence. And that is something that I know, um, I could use a little bit more of, um, I hope for you that that is not an area of, um, you know, for you to work on, but it definitely is for me. Um, 
And then another study that was conducted at the University of Waterloo investigated the relationship between self-acceptance and academic performance. And the findings indicated that students who had a higher level of self-acceptance tended to have a greater confidence in their academic abilities, leading to improved performance and a greater willingness to take on challenging tasks. Makes sense, right? And then lastly, Research conducted by psychologists at the University of Texas at Austin explored the connection between self-acceptance and interpersonal confidence. Now, this study revealed that in, um, individuals who accepted themselves for who they were, including their strengths and weaknesses, exhibited higher levels of self-assurance in social interactions and were more comfortable expressing their own needs. And that is so perfect because I wanted to, I wanted you guys to think about some things this week and knowing that if you can accept your strengths and also your weaknesses, that it can build your self-confidence. That was one thing that I want to mention um, that I wanted you to start working towards over this week, as well as through the rest of the summer. And in addition to that, really setting realistic goals. I'm not sure about you, but I tend to like to reach beyond the stars. And sometimes I need my lovely friends, family, or my husband to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, that's great, but why don't you just bring it down a bit? And so setting realistic goals that can get you beyond the stars, um, that allows you to gain that sense of accomplishment as you're climbing that ladder, right? I kind of picture that in my mind, um, a ladder up to the stars. And so you set those those goals along the way so that you can then keep going up each rung, right? And then another thing I want you to think about, I saw um, I saw this on Instagram today, challenging negative self-talk. Tina Turner said for every negative thought that she would say to herself, she would then say eight positive things. For every negative thought, that popped into her head or that she told herself, she would then immediately tell her eight positive things. And that is what helped her build her self-confidence and acceptance. And so I think what's important here is paying attention to our inner dialogue and replacing our critical thoughts with positive and affirming statements. It helps us practice self-compassion. And it reminds us, we can remind ourselves of our strengths and of our past successes. It is so very easy to, to knock ourselves down. And, and it's important that we don't, friends, because we all have a why. We all have a middle that we're in that is shaping us. And so it's really important that we take care of us. And that, that kind of leads into the next thing, surrounding yourself with positive people. Now, these can be people who you interact with on the phone, in the office, at work, wherever you are, but also think about the people who you're interacting with on social media. Now, we may not know them as a good friend, right? But they are in our lives, they're popping up, and you can take advantage of the algorithm when it comes to social media, Instagram, anything you look at 
it becomes what you see every day. So you can simply open that app or open up Facebook, take a look at what you are feeding yourself in those mindless minutes of scrolling. Is it helpful? Is it not helpful? Or is it just kind of there? Is it just kind of there and it's not doing anything for you? I have found that I have become better at looking or feeding myself when it comes to social media. I have followers that follow me um, for my old house account. And I, though, use social media to kind of dig in and explore a little bit more into, um, you know, affirmations, gratitudes, um, accounts that share scripture and ways that um, are uplifting to me. And so, while it's kind of, I guess you could say, my business of sharing our life out here in the middle, when I open my phone, it's not only filled um, with the occasional corgi wearing Barbie shoes because of my daughter Caroline looking at all the cute animal videos, but I'm getting, I'm getting things put in front of me that are filling my cup and filling me up. And I, I think that's definitely a place where you can kind of examine and it's a quick way for you to get a quick pick-me-up um, if you're needing one. Something else that I'd love for you to think about too is celebrating your strengths, making sure that you take time to build yourself up, and then make sure you step out of your comfort zone. I want you to try those things that you've been wanting to try or that have kind of piqued your interest. One life to live, right? We have one life to live and what better time than now to start doing some of those things. You keep saying, oh, I'd love to do that. That's how we ended up out here in the middle. And I just, it didn't make any sense to stay, you know, where we were when it wasn't where we wanted to be. And so sometimes we have to find ways to get there and it looks different for everybody. Not everybody leaves and <laughs> leaves their home with a baby and uh, two five-year-old twins to move to the country in the winter. That's absolutely absurd. But um, some of us have to do those big things to get us where we need to be. And then friends, I want to, I want to leave you with this one quote that I hope that you will take a minute to to ponder, to think about, to write it down. I will put it in the show notes for you. But remember that building self-confidence is a journey and it takes time. You've got to be patient with yourself and you've got to celebrate every step forward, no matter how small, even in the heaviest of times, the darkest of times, um, when you are defeated, when you feel like you have been pulled under you know, into that, that wave, just remember that, that you're going to come up and out of it. We just sometimes need to have a scaffold around us. That's going to help lift us up, give us that hand up when we need it. That's the people in our lives. It is, um, the, the things that we see that we read that we have around us, build a scaffold around yourself so that when you get knocked down, you can pull yourself back up. I want to end with a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. He says, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. 
To be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. Friends, I hope you will hold that close to you this week. And if you need anything, feel free to reach out. You know where to find me at Farmhouse Storyteller on Instagram. You can email me at danielle at farmhousestoryteller.com. And I would so appreciate any words, any thoughts that you have to share. And until then, I will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you will rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast and share with those you know. If you'd like to see more of what life is like out here in the middle, you can find me on Instagram at Farmhouse Storyteller or head to my website, farmhousestoryteller.com. Farmhouse Storyteller.